Thursday night football gives us one of the most exciting games of the season thus far with the 3-1 Seahawks hosting the 3-1 Rams. This is a crucial battle in the NFC West that also includes the surprising 49ers with their 3-0 record. There's playoff implications on the line, and of course, for us, there's monetary implications on the line as we play the Thursday night showdown slates on DraftKings, FanDuel, or wherever you play. We're going to be talking a lot about the DraftKings $400,000 first prize showdown slate tonight. And to lead us off, I want to give you some numbers that might surprise you. So far, through four weeks of the 2019 NFL season, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Tyler Lockett, that's four players from this Thursday night game, have combined for 14 total red zone targets. Meanwhile, four other players from this game, Will Disley, DK Metcalf, Gerald Everett, and Tyler Higby have combined for 22 red zone targets. That's more than 50% more red zone targets. We're going to get into this and much more on this episode of The Gamble Pod. As always, I'm your host, Josh Crawford, a.k.a. A. Ivanovich, a.k.a. The Gambler. And this is the Thursday Night Football Showdown Pod where we're going to break down the Thursday night game, especially as it relates to this massive DraftKings tournament. And as always, if you're playing the $3 on DraftKings or the $1 or whatever you play, there's lots of options out there. I would I would suggest, you know, don't just put two lineups into the $10 uh, uh, DraftKings showdown slate. Put 20 into the $1. You can win $6,000 for first in that, and then maybe throw a couple in the $10 as well. Or if you're a big multi-tournament uh, multi, uh, player, play a lot of volume, then go wild. But I always suggest getting into those smaller, uh, smaller tournaments as well. So uh, we're going to get into it this week. I'm actually going to switch up the format a little bit. A couple reasons. I'm going to try to shorten up the episodes a little bit. Um, I appreciate all you listening, and I worry that uh, some of these pods have run a little bit long. Um, also, I've, I sometimes I get a little lost in the weeds with some of it, so we're going to try to just move through quickly. And I think this game lends itself to trying things a different way. Um, we'll sort of get to that, but basically, um, because so many of these players in these uh, dynamic offenses are in play. Um, we're just going to do it a little bit different and see how it feels. Um, so let's jump right into this action. Um, what I'm going to do during this show is I'll propose a concept and then we'll work around it with the showdown implications in mind and we'll do some quick live lineup building around it and then we'll keep moving. Um, so I'm going to start by expanding on a concept that I was bringing up by by uh, talking about the red zone target share, which I found pretty surprising. But if you're if you've been watching the games, you probably have noticed it too. That Higby and Everett are very much in play for the Rams, um, especially once they get to the red zone. Um, in fact, those numbers are even more shocking when you think about the fact that Tyler Higby actually has missed uh, one game. Um, Will Disley has missed one game. Um, and DK Metcalf hasn't really been on the board um, for the last two games. So it's it's really um, it really shows you what both of these teams are doing in the red zone. While they have such dynamic playmakers in guys like Robert Woods and Tyler Lockett on both sides, um, when they get to the red zone, they're going a different way. And... Um, I mean, when I was watching the Seahawks, I just I, I have notes from uh, the first four games and just over and over in my notes is, wow, 
Russ really trusts Will Disley or Russ is looking to throw jump balls to DK Metcalf. And that is what we might what might make the difference on this uh, Thursday night game. So um, the the concept here that we're going to build around is that the wide receivers at the top are all sort of indecipherable. They're all great players, really. When we talk about Lockett, Woods, Cup, and um, Brandon Cooks, um, and, and probably most of them are going to perform. In fact, we might see a game where all four of those guys go for 20 or more fantasy points. I mean, I can certainly see that in the realm of possibilities. Um, I'm going to try to not focus too much on building around one or another. I think that's kind of a fool's errand where we're going to wind up trying to decide. I mean, there's other weeks, and you've heard me in past weeks saying, like, this is the guy. This is the person. Like, last week it was Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams um, against the Philadelphia Eagles, who didn't have Ronald Darby, was going to go off, and and look what he did. Um, He was the build-around guy, and he was way up at the top. This week, all these guys up at the top, I don't think they're necessarily build-arounds, but they're guys where we're going to want to have uh, little different pieces of them in lots of our lineups. So I'm going to build build this first uh, concept around the idea that these red zone targets are what's going to make the difference. And uh, um, so we want these guys scoring touchdowns. This might be what we need um, at the bottom of our roster to get all these other high price players who could perform quite well into play. Um, to me, this feels like the sort of game um, in, in Vegas has it at a 49 and a half over under it's in Seattle. It's a Thursday night, but uh, so that that's keeping the over under down, down a little bit. I think if you look at the way these teams pl- have played, especially the secondaries on both sides have struggled a, a little bit. Um, I think we're going to see wide receiver numbers in this game. And that means we're going to see quarterback numbers And just with the sheer volume of good pass catchers on both sides of the ball, I think we could see quite a few um, players who put up real points. So we want to find these guys who can score a touchdown or two um, and who can who can um, slot in. So so um, what obviously one of the first place we look can be these two L.A. tight ends. Um, And and I've been trying to make Gerald Everett work for. Oh, a couple of years now. I have him in a ton of best ball lineups. Um, I, I throw him into uh, daily lineups regularly, and it just hasn't quite hit yet. And even to the point where, frustratingly, um, it, it appears at times that Higby is actually the best tight end to, to own on the Rams. However, they're clearly both being used um, um, with, with a fair amount of regularity. Um, it, the red, red zone target numbers I had from before – um, they're actually at five and four, respectively. Um, so they're both neck and neck. And they're, they they are using both. They're getting about the same amount of snaps. Um, and they're getting about the same amount of work, um, targets, and everything else. So um, one of the places you can start is just by saying, okay, it, I'm going to use one of the Rams' tight ends. And actually, I'm not going to use one of them. I'm going to build... Any lineup I build with Gerald Everett in it, let's say, I'm just going to build the exact same lineup, and I'm going to put uh, Tyler Higby in, in the second one. And this is a good way to start um, just covering your ba- or covering your bases around a core that you like. And because of the prices on these two, where um, Everett's at 3200 or 3400, sorry, and Tyler Higby's at 2000, um, you can. I would just build around Everett regularly and then sub him out and put put Higby in. Um, 
so that's one thing. And and one concept to think about there is can both of these Rams tight ends appear in the winning uh showdown lineup? Um that's something I'm not, I'm not really going to go that route. That would be super unique and it's not I mean, maybe maybe there is a build around there, and that's something that, that I'll leave you to work out on your own. I haven't really worked that one through yet, but maybe there is a build around there in a, in a more scrappy game where both of those guys score a touchdown, get a couple of catches apiece, and uh, it winds up giving you the savings you need to roster everybody else who needed to be rostered. So work, work that out, but for the purpose of this exercise, I'm going to stay away from that, and I'm going to say one or the other will perform. Therefore, I'm just going to build lineups – the same lineups around both of them. Um, so, and, and this, um, this, let's, let's jump into a lineup. Um, and then we can get to a kind of an important concept here. So, um, if we put, and I'm going to take these guys that I like these, these red zone target hogs that I think could come up big in this game in Metcalf, um, one of the LA tight ends and, um, uh, Will Disley, and we'll just throw them into a lineup and see what it looks like. Um, so I'm actually not going to put any of them into a flex, and we'll just we'll just see. So we have Disley, Metcalf, and we'll take Everett to start. Um, when I look at this, I say, okay, I want Russ. Um, so I'm, and again, I'm not not in the captain spot yet. Um, so when I throw Russ in there, um, now I have twenty two thousand left over for two players. This we know right off the bat gives us tons of flexibility. You can pick your guy that you like in the captain spot now. I mean, you can easily throw Lockett in there at 14-1. Um, when you do that, that gives you 8,100 8, left, which gives you everybody from Robert Woods on down. That's a great place to be. Um, and, and it's it's a very sensible lineup. And we, we're building around this concept that we have that let's just get a high-scoring game with both sides going back and forth, lots of touchdowns being scored by our touchdown guys. Um, lock it – and lock it, you know, breaking a couple big ones. Um, let's go a different route. Let's say it actually grinds out a little bit more and maybe Chris Carson's our guy in the captain spot. And he runs two in, but it's Disley and Metcalf who catch the other two from Russ – um, when we put Chris Carson in the captain spot around that core, we wound up with 99, uh, Carson's 20, 12,300 in the captain. So that's not, that's not really that expensive for a guy who has been running really well, in my opinion. Um, it hasn't showed up on the stats sheet every week. In fact, in week two, he only put up 10.7 fantasy points in week three, he put up 5.0. However, he's had 15 or more rushing attempts in every game so far and as well as um four one three and seven targets through his first four games so he is getting exactly the volume we like and i think he's running really well um we'll we'll kind of get to the run pass split uh for seattle in uh, just shortly um but let's say we throw chris carson up top we got 9900 left which gives us every single player on the slate except jared goff so you can have some fun. You can throw Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, Todd Gurley, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks. You can keep going down as far as you want. Um, and I think you have a nice little build around there. So I think what we're pointing out with this concept is that there's some guys who might be a little bit below the radar. Now, nobody's saying Will Disley is below anybody's radar. I mean, the guy has absolutely balled out for like three games in a row here. 18.2 fantasy points or more in the last three. 
Um, but DK Metcalf is is burned a few people. He hasn't put up great numbers. However, of that list I gave of the four type uh, the four players with the most red zone targets, he's at the top. He's got seven seven red zone targets this year from Russell Wilson, and it hasn't been um, all pretty plays. I mean, what Russ does in these sort of desperate Russ is so smart he knows when he can throw a desperation ball up into the back of the end zone and the guy he is looking for primarily is DK Metcalf when he's throwing a more precise ball on a a less broken play or a play where he's not facing down like an unblocked uh uh rusher um he's gonna try to get it to Will Disley or Metcalf but um Metcalf is his safety valve. He's more than willing to just chuck it up to Metcalf and see if he, if Metcalf can win the jump ball. Now, that being said, of those seven uh, red zone targets so far, Metcalf hasn't come down with any yet. So he's at the bottom of the list in that regard, zero for seven. However, it's only a matter of time. And Russ knows it, and he still trusts him. I think the ball is going to continue to go to Metcalf quite regularly, especially in the red zone. Um, so um, we were... Okay, so we're working around this this um, concept here. You can see now. Now we can e- just as easily just pull Gerald Everett out and put Tyler Higby in, and we have essentially the exact same lineup. Um, so there's lots of routes you can go there, um, and I'm going to I'm going to put in lots of different lineups using some combination of two or three maybe even four of those red zone guys. It, it's sort of difficult to figure out how you would put in like Higby, Everett, Metcalf, and Disley. Um, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Maybe if you did it with like Russ and Lockett in the captain or something, but um, it's a good way to get really unique, but I don't really see that playing out. Remember at all times, and this is sort of one of the concepts that we always touch upon is at all times, there's going to be a, a player in your lineup who performs sixth best of all your players and if you left 10,000 on the table um, and there is another player any of the other players in the game performed better than your sixth best player you lose so we always have to balance this like being unique leaving money on the table with what's actually what can actually happen so um, this is the sort of game where I'm thinking about that a lot more one of the other concepts here that comes into play is maybe we need maybe we're jamming five maybe it is a sort of game where eight or ten guys go for 20 plus fantasy points and they're all very close together you're gonna you might not be able to uh fit the top five fantasy producers couple of them who have 30 points, couple who have 25 into the same lineup simply because of salary restrictions. It's, it's too much salary. You can't do it. That's where now we want to find the Tyler Higby who can, um, who can be in uh, either a flex or maybe even the captain spot and free up enough salary. So in, instead, I mean, we weren't able to get one through five, but maybe we can get one, two, four, and four four, five, and six, along with Tyler Higby, who catches two for 25 and a touchdown, and his 8.5 points, or I'm sorry, 10.5 points, while far less than several other players out there, actually is the only way to get that the highest possible scoring lineup. So um, 
that's just something to constantly be balancing here. And in, in this game where I feel that there's going to be a lot of fantasy points scored in addition to a lot of um, actual points scored, I'm not thinking so much about the bottom of the salary where I'm usually looking for that pass catching running back who might catch two balls for 30 or three balls for 30 yards. And that six points actually means something on the Thursday night slate. Um, the, in this situation, I, I think that it's a little bit more, we're a little bit more likely to have a lot of high scores. And then it's just about moving the puzzle pieces around to, to get the, the highest possible score with all the available players. Um, so let's kind of round out this, um, this concept, this concept that there's going to be some production from some of these middle of the road guys and your, your guys other than Brandon cooks and Robert Woods and Cooper cup. Um, and I'll kind of put a bow on it by saying, if I, if I look at, if I'm going to pick one wide receiver to be, to really emerge in this game, one of those four wide receivers, the three Rams guys and Tyler Lockett to really emerge in this game. I think Lockett is the odds on favorite to put up the most fantasy points. couple reasons. Um, the Rams secondary has looked abysmal at times, not all the time, but, but some of the time, and especially against that Tampa in that Tampa Bay game. I mean, it was astonishing how often Chris Godwin was running wide open. Nobody within five yards of him. Um, and I think Tyler Lockett is going to slide right into that role um, and be able to find those soft spots in this defense just as well. And Russell Wilson obviously is a uh, fantastic quarterback to to take advantage of that, um, extending plays the way he does, um, and just giving Lockett time to find find little little pockets. Um, another thing, sometimes what happens to us in these uh, slates is we have these narratives all built up, and and um, what kills them is one team jumping out to an early lead and then just trying to bury the ball. Um, you know, just running the ball, running out the clock. You get this a lot in these Thursday night games because the scoring just doesn't keep up and both sides are just trying to trying to grind out a win. Um, I don't see this game going this way. The Rams, I mean, one, it's a divisional game. As we, as we talked about, there's a lot on the line for both of these teams. I don't see them taking their foot off the gas. Um, and I don't see, um, I don't, I don't see a grinded out game because I don't think Pete Carroll's going to let, uh, Todd Gurley and, um, Sean McVay try to grind it out. And I think that if, if either team gets up, if the, if the Seahawks get up early, the Rams obviously have the firepower to, to put points back on the board. So I don't think Pete Carroll's going to take his foot off the gas either from an offensive point of view. And if the Seahawks get get up early, yes, they are going to go to Chris Carson. So that's where we're going to be putting some of our money for sure. We're, we're, we want some Chris Carson um, at home in a game where they, they are favored, although by a very small amount. Um but obviously the Rams have the higher firepower to get back in the game at all times. Um, so I, yeah, I think, I think all four of these receivers could have great games. Um, so mix and match. Um, my one play, my one big play. Um, well, I think I have two big plays on this slate. One is DK Metcalf. As I pointed out, I think coming off two bad performances in a row from a fantasy perspective, um, and coming off, uh, and, and just not looking um, to people who haven't watched the games like an integral part of the offense. 
Um, I think he's going to be lower owned. Um, so, so I always want to build, build around a lower owned guy. I think he has, he's going to go off. Um, I don't know if it's for sure this week, but this Ram secondary is certainly a good one to go off against. Um, and of course, like I mentioned, I think the Rams are going to stay with it and, and, uh, push, push the ball up and down the field. So I think Russ is going to have to do the same. Um, I'm taking. I'm going to be taking more Metcalf than Disley. I'm not going to be fading Disley. I I don't see a reason to. Um, I think he's going to get. He's just almost just as he's probably is just as likely to score as many points as Metcalf. However, when I can get Metcalf at a much lower ownership, I want to put more of my money there. But I will be taking Disley. Um, he's been. He. I mean, just as good as anybody else on the Seahawks team over the last uh, three weeks. Um, so. So you can look to all those places. Um, so let's move on to our next concept, a, a, another build around concept. And this one is going to look a little bit different. And when you first hear it, you're going to think, wait, this is this flies in the face of everything you just said about a high, high scoring game and all that. Um, but not really. Uh, let's go through it. So let's work on a build around with the Rams defense in play. And the reason I want to get the Rams defense in play is because one, it's going to be quite unique. Uh, I, I I don't think I'm the only one who th- thinks this is going to be an exciting Thursday night game with some scoring, but that doesn't always pan out, and it might pan out in a way. We know this Rams defense from last year. They're an opportunistic defense. They're a, they're a defense that thrives on uh, sacks and turnovers um, and and fumble recoveries. They, I mean, you can think back to numerous games last year. The one that most um, sticks in my mind is the chiefs Rams game from last year, where the amount of uh, turnovers that the Rams defense forced um, in that game was astonishing. And yet it was still um, such a high scoring game from both sides of the ball. So, and it, another reason I want to focus on the Rams defense is specifically the Rams pass rush. Um, Aaron Donald matched up uh, opposite Clay Matthews has been a force to be reckoned with in the NFL this year. It might be one of the most exciting uh, pass rush uh, defensive line duos in the NFL right now. Um, Clay Matthews is a huge beneficiary from what they are trying to do uh, to stop Aaron Donald. And he has risen to the occasion. He's seizing every every single bit of that opportunity. On the other side of the ball, Seattle's pass protection has been horrible. I mean, Russell Wilson is probably one of the best at, in the league at facing down just unblocked, charging defenders. Um, but he's he's had to deal with that. He's had to deal with just just pressure getting to him over and over and over. And he scrambles his way out of it regularly. But this is a little bit, I mean, this is one of the premier pass rushers in the league. And I just don't see Seattle's line, offensive line, holding up to it. So, and uh, let me, let me um, just stop for one second. Seattle's run blocking has actually been pretty good. Um, One of the reasons Chris Carson has been doing so well. um, And, and it's, it's been a uh, so it's not all terrible for the offensive line, but their pass protection is still is still lagging behind. Um, so I think Russ is going to be under pressure, a lot of pressure, and I can see this opportunistic Rams defense putting together five six sacks in this game, quite a few quarterback pressures, um, forcing a couple fumbles for or or uh, uh, interceptions or a combination of both. 
I mean, we could see a stat line at the end of this game pretty easily that that includes like five or six sacks, um, one touchdown off either an interception or a fumble, and um, one one or two more fumbles or interceptions. And those, let's let's call it like 12, 12 points or so, might be all we need. Yeah, the final score of the game might be like 35-28 or 35-31 or something, but um, we, we still got enough points out of that Rams D to be the sixth best player in our lineup or, like I said, the seventh or eighth best player that allows you to get everybody else. Um, so let's, let's do a little um, build around on the um with, with this in mind um the we're going to build around the rams d being a being a part of our uh lineup right now so they're going in the flex i'm not i'm not talking about putting them in the captain spot um i think that's a little ridiculous um but let's say we do something like um tyler lockett in the captain spot it, it, as you as we go through here you're going to notice i i really do kind of like tyler lockett to be the highest scoring wide receiver in this game um I like DK Metcalf. We've talked about this. And, you know, build around your own stories. You're, you're going to see this a little bit different than I am. But we're just illustrating the concept here. Um, so so what I'm illustrating here is the Rams D is getting their points. They're getting to Russ. But we know Russ. I mean, he's, he's going to scramble away. Yeah, they're going to get to him. But it's not going to stop him. Um, especially if, if the Rams score a defensive touchdown or something. I mean, he's just going to get right back out in the field and start slinging it. So um, we got Lockett in the captain spot, Rams D, DK Metcalf. Um, I'm going to throw Russ in there, and let's see what this looks like. Um, so that leaves us with 14,902 spots to fill. Um, we got two Seahawks pass catchers. We got Russ. We got the Rams D, and this gets kind of fun because you can take any of these Rams wide receivers. Let's take Cooper Cup, who's the most expensive. If you take Cooper Cup there, <clears throat> now you got 5,000 left, 5,300 actually. You can take anyone from Rashad Penny um, down through the Seahawks, Malcolm Brown, both the kickers. You can get um, you can get either the Rams tight ends. You can get CJ Procise. Um, you, you can put together six lineups out of that. That's with Cooper Cup. Now, like we talked about, I'm more of the opinion that we want to kind of cycle through these guys. So let's pull Cooper Cup out of there. You throw Gurley in. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm mostly fading Gurley on this slate, but this makes a lot of sense. You're going you're gonna to give me the Rams, D, and Gurley um, to maybe go up early and just try to grind it out with Seattle in Seattle. You got Russ on the other side of the ball, slinging it to his two top two wide receivers. Um, and what does that leave you with? 6,100, um, for your last spot. And again, you can run down through Rashad Penny, the Seahawks. Um, I, I love getting down to those tight ends there, Everett and Higby. Um, you could get some Procise in play because he's been, he has been catching a few passes, um, these last couple games, especially as they've played these high scoring, uh, games. He is without a doubt their two minute drill guy. He is, uh, on the on the field for third downs and for some other hurry up situations. So Procise very much in play. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so so now you can just go down the list. You, after after Gurley, you throw in um, maybe Chris Carson. You can go Robert Woods and you can go Brandon Cooks. I mean, if we put Brandon Cooks in in every single one, you start at the same point. Rashad Penny, which you may or may not want to play. Um, we'll go into him in a minute. But so you you can take this core lineup, this core of four. And you can build about 30 or 40 really fun lineups out of it. I, I'm definitely going to go that route. I think it's unique in this game. Um, and it's going to – and it, it 
to me looks like a reasonable possibility as as a, a winning lineup um so before we get to like one last concept that we'll go through um i'll just run through who i'm playing at the bottom of the slate here um in Again, I'm being a little bit more select. Most weeks, I'm looking down into the $200 and $400 level, really trying to find those guys who might make it, who might put up eight points and be the winner for me. I'm I'm focused less on that on this slate just because I think the points are coming from elsewhere. Um, it if you think that there's 10 plus players who are going to go over 15 points, it you really don't want to look at Luke Wilson unless unless you have a real specific build around. Um, so for me, everybody at the top is in play. Um, I'm mostly fading Gurley, but not a hundred percent. When he makes sense, or when I'm doing, when I'm running down through like five or six players that I, I want to get those six lineups in with the same core, and then I'll just take that sixth player. I'm obviously I'm gonna put Gurley in. There's no reason not to play him there. Um, but as a build around guy, I'm I'm a hundred percent fading him. Everybody else, I'm playing. That kind of puts you down to Rashad Penny, who's your first question mark. And for me, this is going to be sort of a game time decision. Um, I'll build a, a, most of my, not most, but quite a few of my lineups right before kickoff. And um, I, I'm just not sure. We have to see. Um, he, he's supposed to be available to play, but we have to see if he's active first and how he's looking. We have to listen to what they're saying. And you just got to make a decision here. Um, my inclination is probably I will have no Rashad Penny build arounds, um, but he's going to be in my lineup when I'm running down through that price point. Um, so then we go with the Seahawks and the Rams. To, they're both in play as far as I'm concerned. You got Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown has not performed well from a fantasy perspective over the last couple of weeks, but he is playing. And you do kind of wonder – if, um, I mean, it's been beaten to death what's going on with Todd Gurley. I'm kind of ignoring – let me let me make one thing very clear. I'm not fading Gurley because of injury. I'm fading Gurley uh, strictly because I think the book has sort of been – people are talking about this. This isn't news. Um, the, the Rams offense has sort of been figured out. And one of the things that's been figured out is that if you contain Gurley at the edges the, using these six-man fronts – and this stretches back to last year. It stretches through the playoffs – um, if you contain Gurley properly, you can put yourself in a much more winnable game. So that's what people are doing. And Carroll is not only smart enough to do that and to have that in play already, but you also have uh, the recently acquired Jadavian Clowney, who who is a obviously a major run stopping force on this defense. Um, you, you have and you have Carroll, who's going to be at the helm of all of this and and putting the game plan into place. And I think in Carroll will add a few wrinkles of his own that, that will make life even more difficult on Gurley. If it truly, if, if the way to beat the Rams is to shut down Gurley, then I'm confident that the Seahawks at home are going to be able to do that. So that's why I'm fading Gurley. That being said, Malcolm Brown has been getting more work and he's gotten work each week, although it hasn't really uh, come through on the stat line the, the last couple of weeks. This could be the sort of game where Malcolm Malcolm Brown at 3,800 puts up just enough points, maybe punches in a touchdown, or or um, if if we do have that situation where the Rams get out to the lead and they want to sort of try to neutralize the Seattle home field advantage, they just go to the ground. They're not going to go strictly to Gurley. They're going to do some power running up the middle, and that's Malcolm Brown's going to be mixed in somewhat regularly there. So I do think he's in play. Um, 
you got Jason Myers for Seattle. Um, this is one that um, he, he's the kicker for Seattle. Um, he's totally in play, obviously. I, same with Greg Zerline. I am going to have some of the kickers, but again, I just don't love I, – I, I'm mostly building around a game script where the kickers are not going to be in the top six performers. But of course, when you're just running through, when, when you have 4,000 left and you're running through the, the bottom, the bottom run guys, you're going to throw these guys in. Then we got um, Everett, Procise, and Higby. And I've already talked about these guys. Obviously, you know, I think Everett and Higby are very much in play. And as I touched down, Procise is very much in play, especially if this game stays close, especially if Seattle's running, running, um, uh, from behind um, at the ends of halves. Um, Procise can pick up six, eight points just at the end of a half, just in, in, in one drive, three, three catches for 30, um, something like that. So he's in play. Um, it, where it gets interesting is this whole, like, Jerome Brown, Malik Turner, David Moore, um, the wide receivers for um, Seattle, and then you got Josh Reynolds for the Rams. Um so taking those four wide receivers, um, I don't have much desire to play any of them. I think whereas most – okay, so I typically put 100 to 250 lineups into this showdown slate across all the various tournaments that I that I might wind up playing. Um, normally, I'm more than willing to play these, these long shot guys at the very bottom – um, and, and not that Jerron Brown is Jerron Brown's in play. We got, we got to be playing him. He's been getting targets. He's, he's on the field. Um, but in, you can look at David Moore and say like, okay, he's gotten targets the last couple weeks. He could emerge. He, maybe he's going to take over the third wide receiver role on in this offense. That's all true. But I think there's so many build arounds up above this price point that I want to work around that I think I'm going to have to fade these guys that I normally would be putting more, more lineups in or putting into more lineups because of the ability to get them at low ownership and to feel more unique. Um, I just don't think I can really go that route with the amount I want to build around these middle guys, especially Everett Higby, Metcalf and Disley, like I talked about. Um, so I, I, I can tell you, pro- especially with the price points that Everett and Higby are at, where they're thirty-two hundred and two thousand, a lot of people are going to be going there. So that one of the dangers is you got to get unique at that price point. Um, so if you want to go down this route, if you want to chase David Moore and Jerron Brown, I highly recommend it. If you if that's a narrative you're building, because you are going to be more unique than than the field, and and you're going to be more unique than than me uh, for the most part. I think I'll use them here and there, but not to the extent that I normally do where I'm constantly jamming these, these guys at like uh, 2000 and below, especially the 400 and 200 guys into all my lineups. Um, so think about going that way. Another guy is Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds is on the field with some regularity. He gets a couple targets a game. He sometimes comes up big. He's the sort of guy who winds up in a box score a couple times a year with a touchdown. So um, uh, he's definitely a, a, a guy that you can look to. Um, when you're trying to jam in a bunch of high price players. Um, so, but again, I just don't, I'm not sure that I'm going that route. Um, and then we got Luke Wilson at the bottom. Um, Luke Wilson showed up a couple weeks ago, uh, with the Seahawks after they actually last week, after they released Nick Vanette, um, caught two balls for 26 yards, seems to be in play in the offense, 
Um, he, he also has a history with the Seahawks. He used to play for the Seahawks. He has rapport with R- Russell Wilson. Uh, I'm just not sure that we're going to see more than two for 26 out of Luke Wilson. Um, so again, I love these guys at $200 usually, but this just isn't my week to play Luke Wilson and Josh Reynolds and those sort of guys. So that's kind of the bottom of the the salaries there. Do with that what you will. Um, but let's do one more concept here to build around. Um, let's go just contrary, just for the sake of experimenting, let's go contrary to everything we've talked about so far. Let's set up a stifling Seattle Seahawks D, which they haven't really had this year. Um, they've been they've been great in some regards, um, but but it's Thursday it's Thursday night. Let's let's predict the the usual Thursday night snooze fest. Um, everybody's on a short week. Seattle tries to go to the ground. Everybody's ready for it. Um, but the D's on both sides show up. The twelfth man plays their ass off. Um, what does this look like? And and I think that a lot of people are going to be thinking like me that this is going to be a high scoring game. So I think just right off the bat, this concept is unique. So now let's build around the concept. We want to put the Seattle DST in. Okay. So um, again, I'm not playing it in the captain spot. I just, I don't see the value there. Uh, These defenses are too high powered, but let's play. We'll just play it in the flex and let's do, I'm going to build around um, Chris Carson and the captain, because that makes sense. We got, we got the Seattle D. Um, Let's have him grind it out on the ground. Carson and the captain. Um, Let's throw uh, Tyler Lockett in because I'm not building any lineups without Tyler Lockett, it looks like. And let's do something like um, Greg Zerline. Let's say that the Rams, because we know the Rams have a good enough offense. They're not going to be completely stifled. Um, This isn't like the the Bengals or something. Um, Let's throw, let's say the, the Rams keep driving and getting into field goal range and it's up to Zerline to keep him in the game. And, and so they keep kicking field goals, 40 and 50 yarders, which Zerline can certainly do, um, in Seattle in September. Actually we're in October, aren't we? Um, Seattle in October. Um, so we got Zerline and that's our four spots that leaves us with a remaining salary of 20,500 for the last two spots. And the cool thing about this, and, and to me, this, this build around makes sense. We have one big play, a couple big plays from Tyler Lockett. we got the Seattle defense just messing golf up the, the crowd noise in his ears. He can't hear McVay, lots of picks, couple pick sixes. Chris Carson just, just putting up his 120 and a touchdown. Um, this all makes sense. Zerline kicking field goals. So the cool thing here is with the exception of pairing up Russ with Jared Goff, which you wouldn't want to do with this build anyways, because it'd be ridiculous. You don't have any pass catchers in here who, uh, to pump up their stats. Um, you can make any other combination of two players on the slate. So you can take Russ and any other player you can take Goff and any other player, or what's probably the better play is take a couple of the pass catchers, or take so so you can take Cooper Cup and any other pass catcher. You could take or or Gurley. You could take um you could take Gurley and any other pass catcher. You can take Will Disley and any other pass catcher. So this is kind of fun, and and obviously then you can go mix and match where you can take out Zerline and you can put in um. Uh, Jason Myers, Seattle kicker, and 
now of course you have to hit your um your lineup requirements of having one la ram because at this point we have carson the seahawks lockett and myers but as long as you hit that other uh, as long as you get your ram in then you can play any combination of two other players again other than the two quarterbacks which you wouldn't want to do so this is kind of a fun little build around that i expect to be contrarian um and obviously you can mix and match this any way you want so take out tyler lockett put in dk metcalf because in the narrative that we're building here now we don't need somebody scoring 25 plus fantasy points we don't need the home runs from tyler lockett we can just take like three catches on a dk metcalf as long as one of them is a touchdown three for 30 and a touchdown might be three for 40 let's say and a touchdown might be all we need out of dk metcalf so you can have lots of fun building around this um i hope that was a a fun way to approach this um oh one more thing on this the the other cool thing about this we we get to the bot we we have this twenty thousand whatever left over which means we can put any two players in the fun thing about this um build is that I believe that the concept that we that we have here, where Seattle's grinding it out on defense a little bit more, allows us to do some crazy things like like put in like Cooper Cup and Gerald Everett, um, and and now we have now we've left uh, seventy seven hundred on the table, um, and nobody wants to do that. I mean, it just feels so bad. But if the game truly goes this way, where the the Seahawks are sort of able to shut shut the Rams' offense down, then Gerald Everett catching one touchdown might actually be the sixth best player. So this goes back to that concept we were talking about. If if everybody goes off, you can't have the sixth best player just be a guy who catches two balls, one of them a touchdown. But you can in this scenario where we we've, we've built this lineup around the Seattle defense uh, a lot more. Maybe I'm off a little bit on this. Maybe maybe Seattle defense uh, a Seattle defensive game is going to be a little bit more owned. But I I think the power of the Rams, especially at the price points, the the price points of these wide receivers is not prohibitive. Uh, um, so I think people are just going to be more than fine with jamming the Rams wide receivers in, and um, that's going to lead to some situations where you can get really unique like this one where we would play Cooper Cup and Gerald Everett at the bottom, leave 7,700 on the table. And then, of course, we would do the exact same thing and replace Everett with Higby because then you're leaving 8,900 on the table and, and nobody wants to do that. Um, so lots of fun there. Um, I'm going to wrap it up for today. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed that episode. I actually liked that better than the last couple Thursday night episodes we've done. Um, it was kind of fun getting into some different, get, getting into the different concepts or the different build arounds a little quicker. Um, but please reach out to me on Instagram or on Twitter or anywhere that you can find me if you have any suggestions or questions. And um, with that being said, of course, my Instagram handle is a underscore Ivanovich underscore roars. Um, and my Twitter handle is Ivanovich underscore roars. Um, but please give me some suggestions for future episodes, other things you want to hear about, any questions you might have. Um, yeah, love to love to get some feedback and keep building these these episodes better and better. Um, so we'll sign off for today. As always, good luck with your lineups tomorrow. Good luck with your lineups on Sunday. Good luck with all your gambling. Good luck with all your wagers. Good luck in your best ball drafts and your season-long leagues. Let's go out there and win some money, and we will talk to you next time on The Gamble Pod.